evening. So this weekend's Gospel from Luke concludes the three-week series that we've been listening to each weekend of the teachings by Christ as it relates to salvation and how one should live and the choices one must make. Before diving into this somewhat complicated Gospel, the groundwork is set for us in the first reading from Isaiah, which comes from the concluding lines of that book. For Isaiah says that what's happening to the Jewish people is not just for them, but for everybody. That it's not to be a tribal religion, but a universal religion. Which is why early in the second century, this new group of Christians were already calling themselves Catholic, which means universal. They recognized that what they were doing was not for just any one group in particular, but for all people. Turn to the gospel, biblical scholars indicate that this passage was created by the author who took bits and pieces from the other gospels in order to weave together this sermon that Jesus gives to a crowd of mostly Jews, making this gospel a bit more difficult to break open. It begins with a question that's asked a number of times across the gospels, and one that each of us may have asked in our own spiritual journey, and that is, who's going to be saved? For in today's setting, the crowd listening to Jesus assumed since they were devout Jews and part of the chosen ones, they all had a free ride into heaven. Reminds us of the story of the rich young man that we heard a few weeks ago who basically asked the same question we heard today. What does one have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And remember, he tells Jesus that he's followed all the rules and he's kept all the commandments. Jesus says, that's great, but... You need to sell all that you have and give it to the poor. In essence, shed everything that you're holding on to. We're told the man walked away sad. Jesus then tells his disciples it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Today's gospel replaces the eye of the needle with the narrow gate. In those days, the narrow gates were the side doors of the walled city where you could enter. They were less exposed, less visible, allowing occupants to come and go inconspicuously. But with the entrance being so narrow, it prevented anyone who passed through from carrying any wealth or any belongings with them. So we hear today Jesus encouraging his followers to strive to enter through the narrow gate. Or in other words, to take your spiritual journey seriously, to let go of everything that you're holding on to. So then, what's our modern-day narrow gate? Or in other words, what motivates us each day when we wake up? Is our focus on our personal criteria of who's right and who's wrong and who's going to heaven and who's going to hell? Wondering if only a few of us will make it? Or every morning is the first question that comes to mind all about how loving I can be as possible today. Because my sisters and brothers, that is the narrow gate that we each face every day. But then the gospel tells us many will attempt to enter but will not be strong enough and the master will lock the door. Now the gospel sounds more like a message of exclusion rather than inclusion. So which is it? 
To answer that, I turn to one of the best and most helpful lines given by several saints who say this, no one's going to hell unless they want to. God condemns no one to hell unless they choose to live in hatred and evil and disharmony. It's always our choice. So you see, for the love in me knows love, and the hate in me will see hate everywhere else. There's no love in you, and you're, feared, you're filled with fear and hatred. And can you ever really know God? For God's never kicking us out. Rather, we just kick ourselves out. If you want to go to heaven, or in other words, if you want to live in love, then you'll live in love. But it's your decision, and that's the narrow gate that we face. It was Pope John Paul II who said, When will Catholics realize that heaven and hell are not geographical places? They're states of consciousness. Well, if that's true, it means that if you want to be miserable, hateful, negative, oppositional, and regularly exclude other races and other religions and others who are different than you, that's hell right now. So this means that you and I must choose now and continue to make a choice every day. Do we want to live in love and communion with God and our neighbor? Or do we want to live in a constant fight? All we have to do is listen to the politics of our times, especially as we near the midterm elections, where we're told how to fight, how to be angry, how to be hateful, how to tell lies and who to exclude and who is unworthy, all in order to make ourselves feel worthy and for our group, our team, to supposedly win. Seems like hell to me, but many people seem to enjoy living there. Jesus seems to be saying it's not about belonging to the right group. Rather, it's about having the right attitude, the right consciousness, which crosses all boundaries of people. We're using the words of Matthew, we feed the hungry and we welcome the stranger and we care for the sick. Because if our focus is just on what I need to do for my personal salvation, then we may be faced with great regret when we recognize how wrong we were and how deeply we miss the point of this gospel, which Jesus describes as wailing and grinding of teeth when we see everyone else moving through the narrow gate but ourselves. In other words, be ready to be surprised about who's living a life of love and service and who isn't, which is all summed up in that great and final punchline. Remember, many who appear to be last will be first, the first will be last. So we need to stop asking that proverbial question of who's going to heaven and who's going to hell because it's not your concern or mine. That's the work of God, which Isaiah reminds us today, the God who knows your works and your thoughts and will gather all nations to come and see God's great glory.